Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Good morning, Covenant family. Our text today continues to unfold the final events and conversations during the Passion Week of Christ. Upon the triumphant entry into Jerusalem, Jesus had done some pretty interesting stuff. He cursed the fig tree, cleansed the temple, and of course got into more difficult dialogues and confrontation with the religious leaders. Now we come to the Tuesday in Jerusalem, in one of the temple courts, and more intense dialogue ensued. Our text from Mark chapter 12, verse 1 to 17 takes us to two more discourses. And for our time this morning, I will focus on two key questions that are raised in the text. One is a rhetoric question asked by Jesus himself in the parable of the tenant from Mark 12, verse 1 to 12. In fact, he answered the question himself. This parable was told as a result of the previous conversation when the religious leaders questioned Jesus' authority. The other question is found in the dialogue with the religious leaders from Mark chapter 12, verse 13 to 17 on the paying of taxes to Caesar. Now, with this brief background, let's pray and let me take you on a discovery trail in the two discourses. Would you pray together with me? Heavenly Father, during this global pandemic, we ask you to show us the true condition of our hearts and soul so that we can run to you and allow you to conform us to the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. Protect us from every deception and lies of the evil one and set our hearts on things that are above and not on things that are below. Bless our time today in your sacred word. For we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's consider the first question in the light of the parable of the tenant from Mark chapter 12, verse 1 to 12. Let's find in Mark chapter 12, verse 9, part A, what will the owner of the vineyard do? Now, imagine a very rich uncle came from the Far East and bought over the former turf club in Bukit Timah. After some time, you can see some very beautiful townhouses and tower blocks with all the exclusive amenities that anyone will die for. One day, you receive an exquisite package in the mail. And when you open it, you realize it contains the well-designed brochure of the beautiful development. For some strange reasons, your heart started beating quickly. And as you read the letter, you were shocked with an offer from your uncle to stay at one of the beautiful townhouses for free for the rest of your life. You, you couldn't believe your eyes. There is one condition. You have to take care of the estate and to collect the rent from each of the households while he is away. Surely this cannot be true, you said to yourself. What a gift from heaven. Time passed quickly. You did what you had to do dutifully. Then one day, a thought came. How I wish 
This beautiful estate belongs to me forever. Very soon, he became obsessed with the idea. And he began to look at all the possibilities so that you can be the owner. Oh, you managed to find some loopholes. Soon, you started keeping the money to yourself. Your uncle emailed you and caught you, but you ignored it completely. One day, a representative from your uncle showed up and asked for his money. Your lawyers met him and threatened him. He left unwillingly. Then another came and he got some tucks to ruffle him up. One by one, they came, but they couldn't do anything. Finally, one day, you heard that your uncle's beloved son will be coming to resolve the matter once and for all. Wow, what an opportunity. Kidnap him, get his thumbprint on some legal transfer papers and then get rid of him. So together with some of the tenants, a plot was devised to kill him the very moment he came to Singapore and the body was quickly disposed of in the sea. Finally done, you muttered to yourself. One day, you received a phone call from a strange number and there you heard a very stern and serious voice on the other side. Just you wait. I'm coming to you. And guess what I will do to you when I see you? I will destroy you and take everything away from you. I let you stay in my property for free. And instead of repaying me with gratitude, you became blind and wicked. Just you wait. I am coming for you. And suddenly you screamed and you woke up from your dream, drenched with sweat. Thank God, it was just a dream. This is my feeble attempt to contemporize Mark chapter 12, verse 1 to 9. Let me read the actual parable for you right now in the ESV. Mark chapter 12, verse 1 to 9. And he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the wine press and built a tower and leased it to the tenants and went into another country. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent to them another servant and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another and him they killed and so many more others, some they beat and some they killed. He still had one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them saying, they will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. This is the first question we want to explore in this text found in verse 9. What will the owner of the vineyard do? Jesus didn't leave the question hanging as he did sometimes. He went on to answer it himself. He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyards to others. Clearly, this was a parable to challenge and confront the Jewish leaders. There is no doubt that the religious leaders understood the parable immediately 
For in verse 12, it was recorded and they were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people, for they perceived that he had told the parable against them. The metaphor of the vineyard is very familiar to the religious leaders. The vineyard is Israel. The owner is God. The tenants are the Jewish leaders. The servants are the prophets. And the only son and heir is, of course, Jesus. For centuries, God was kind enough to send his prophets over and over again to call his people back to him. But they didn't hear him. And you cannot miss the climax of the parable in verse 6. Finally, he sent his beloved son. The Bible expositor Alexander McLaren said this, The mission of Christ is the ultimate appeal of God to men. But you see, even that ultimate act of kindness and grace couldn't soften their hearts and open their eyes. They still couldn't hear or see Him. Why? Because they had already rejected Jesus in their hearts. That is why Jesus said these words in Mark chapter 12, verse 10 to 11. Have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. See, the stone here refers to Jesus, which the builders, referring to the Jewish religious leaders, they had rejected Jesus. But by God's sovereign plan, Jesus became the cornerstone. In ancient buildings, the cornerstone was considered to be the most important stone of a building. This was God's sovereign act of grace. For God overrules in amazing ways the rebellious attempts to block His purposes. Brothers and sisters, in application for point one this morning, let's pause and apply this in point one. The question I asked you early on is, what will the owner of the vineyard do? The Bible says he will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. You know, these words sound harsh and unforgiving. But anyone reading the parable will conclude that the owner of the vineyard is already super-duper loving and forgiving to a fault in the face of humanity's refusal to receive God's love. Yet God persisted and persisted and persisted. One representative after another of God was abused and slain. The great reformer Martin Luther said this, If I were God and the world had treated me as he treated him, I would kick the wretched thing to pieces. Brothers and sisters, our God is ever kind, ever loving and ever persistent. But there will come a time when the holy and righteous God will judge our stubborn, rebellious, and perpetual unrepentance. So here is the first take-home message for us today. Don't resist and reject the kindness of God. Humanity tries to get rid of God so that we can get on with our life. But sooner or later, we will hit the wall. We cannot live without God. Some people say that Christianity is a crutch. No, it's not. It's our lifeline. We need God. And thankfully, 
despite our wayward unrepentance. God's love is ever patient and ever kind. So don't resist and reject the kindness of God. For the mission of Christ is the ultimate appeal of God to men. Listen to these words. Jesus is the ultimate because He's the highest, the strongest, and the all-sufficient one. Jesus is the ultimate because He is the eternal and the permanent, the same forever. There are to be no new powers for the world, no new forces to draw men to God. God's quiver is empty. His last boat shot, His most tender appeal made. Don't resist and reject the kindness of God. That's the second question I want to explore with you from Mark chapter 12, verse 13 to 17. That's found in Mark chapter 12, verse 14, part B. But the second question is, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Allow me to read to you from Mark chapter 12, verse 13 to 17. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing the hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. The Pharisees and the Herodians were opposed to each other due to their political differences. Yet verse 13 tells us, they united together for wickedness. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? This was a very dangerous question to stop Jesus in the track. If Jesus said yes, he would become an instant enemy with the Jewish people who felt oppressed by the tax. And if Jesus said no, then he would become an enemy to the Romans. Either way, you are about to become a dead man. Now what is this tax all about? It was first instituted in AD 6. It was known as the Imperial or Poll Tax, which goes directly into the Roman Emperor's treasury. Every adult man and woman must pay one denarius, which was the average daily wage in Palestine. A denarius was a Roman silver coin weighing about 3.8 grams. One side bore the head of Caesar and the abbreviated inscription in Latin, you can see in the screen now, Translated, it means Tiberius Caesar, son of the divine Augustus, Augustus. But on the reverse side of the coin was the inscription in Latin, which means chief or the greatest high priest. The Bible tells us Jesus knew their plot. And in his profound wisdom asked, bring me a denarius. And someone gave it to him. Then as the Lord held up the coin, a hush fell upon the crowd. 
Then his question broke the silence. Whose image is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's came the grudging reply. Then rang forth from Jesus' lips these profound words. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. The commentator James Edwards said this, By this reply, Jesus acknowledges the legitimacy of human government. It distances Jesus from all forms of political anarchy, best exemplified in his day by the zealots, who believed that the overthrow of the Romans' imperium was the will of God. On the other hand, Jesus' answer cannot be construed to mean that God and the government are two separate and exclusive entities independent of one another. God is sovereign over all human affairs, including political affairs. This passage affirms that there are duties to governments that do not infringe on ultimate duties to God, while vigorously rejecting that governments may assume total claim over their citizens, as though the state, over and beyond its special commission, should and become the single and totalitarian order of human life, and thus fulfilling the church vocation as well. There's another insight in Jesus' question when he asks, whose image is this? Well, the word image in Greek, New Testament Greek, is also the same word used in the Greek version of the Old Testament known as the Septuagint. And there in Genesis 1.26, the humanity is made in the image of God, the same Greek word. And therefore, the unmistakable point is this. If the coin bears Caesar's image, then it belongs to Caesar. But humanity, which bears God's image, belongs to God. In application for point two, what a profound wisdom. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. The statement by our Lord was not only astounding the instant it was uttered, but is even today universally acclaimed to be the single most influential political statement ever made in the history of the world. Now here comes the second take-home message for you today. Don't underestimate and undermine our responsibilities in our land. The very basis why we are bound to be godly citizens of our land is because we are first and foremost godly citizens of heaven. For our specific application on point two today, I'd like to remind us of some of our duties and responsibilities to the authorities in our land. To give to Caesar what is Caesar's. You see, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 13, verse 1 has this to say, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. For many of us, we are citizens or permanent residents in Singapore. Therefore, we are bound by the Word of God to submit to the authorities. Unless we are made to violate the command of God or asked to participate in some immoral acts, now, since this text is directly about taxes, let me first and foremost remind us all to pay our taxes. I'm very thankful that the government has extended tax-free incentive for donations to charitable organizations. You know, by all means, make use of that incentive. 
In that way, many charitable organizations, including New Life, have benefited from it. I also urge you to continue to give to New Life as the hands and face of Covenant EFC. I urge you to give to organizations that may not have tax incentives. For the end of the day, we give to God as good stewards of the resources He has given us, not just because of the tax incentives. Secondly, I think about how this pandemic has shown that most of us seek to submit to the government. We wear our masks, we keep our physical distancing, and even stop our church services on-site for a few months. And as a result of our compliance, I believe we as a church have contributed to the successful containment of the coronavirus in our land. We thank God that there's a time to stay at home to worship God online. But this is also the time to worship God on-site because the church as an institution is also a witness and a light to the world. So come on-site to worship God with the community if you are well and you are able because the worship experience is qualitatively different even though we can't sing. So see you at the three centres. Just one final reminder from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 2. Paul says, First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and for all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Singapore is facing the most challenging time in our history. While we may have our opinions about Singapore politics, our policies, our political leaders, we are bound by the scripture to pray for our government, for wellness and wholeness, for wisdom and courage to lead our nation forward. Remember the prayer hand that we taught you some time ago, the index finger, which represents those who lead us? So let's be praying for our Prime Minister and his cabinet. Let's be praying for God's hand to preserve our nation and for many in our land to experience the peaceful and quiet lives that is found in Christ. So in some of these suggested ways, whether it be paying our taxes diligently, observing the current safety measures responsibly, or praying for authorities regularly, we give to Caesar what is Caesar. And our take-home message, don't underestimate or undermine our responsibilities in the land. In conclusion, let me state the two take-home messages again from these two discourses. From the parable of the tenant, let's not resist and reject the kindness of God. In that way, we give to God what belongs to God, for we are citizens of heaven. From the question on paying taxes to Caesar, let's not underestimate and undermine our responsibilities in our land. In that way, we give to Caesar what is Caesar's. For we are also citizens on earth. Brothers and sisters, our responses and responsibilities to God and to the authorities on earth is made possible because Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of our life. When we embrace Jesus as the most important cornerstone in our life, the stone that holds everything together, then no matter what we go through in this life, He will be there 
for us. But this is what the Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. Yes, Jesus Christ is our precious cornerstone. And whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. Let me close my sermon this day with this true story. A few years ago, a man came to one of our men's ministry network, one of our forums and meetings. At that time, he was feeling very downcast and dejected. After serving as a volunteer with the Prison Fellowship of Singapore for more than 10 years, going into prison every week to share God's Word, he himself now was charged with a fatal accident and was facing a possible prison sentence. You see, on the way to his weekly cell group meeting, driving at night, he did not notice a PMD rider approaching the zebra crossing without stopping and unfortunately knocked him down. Now this PMD rider unfortunately died from the accident a week later in hospital. As a result of this accident, he was sentenced to two weeks imprisonment. During his time in the prison, he started to minister to his fellow inmates to encourage them to reflect on the purpose of their time in prison. He was able to derive so much more joy out of it. And upon his release from prison, the Prison Fellowship of Singapore approached him to serve as a full-time staff. Today, he is the Executive Director of the Prison Fellowship of Singapore. I marveled at this story because if I put myself in his shoes, I'm sure that this brother wondered about the kindness and love of God during his period of darkness. I'm sure this brother questioned the law and justice of the land. But God kept him and preserved him. And his faith in Jesus kept him going. Truly, make Jesus the cornerstone of your life. Because he did. And even in the midst of darkness, I believe he knows that whoever believes in Jesus will not be put to shame. Praise be to God. Would you pause and pray together with me this morning? First, I'd like to speak to non-believers who are listening to this sermon. If you are not a Christian and you are hearing this sermon today, I want to urge you this morning to invite Jesus into your life. I've mentioned to you that God is a super-duper kind and loving God to all of us. However, we are prone to resist and reject His goodness. God does not want to judge us at all. But one day in eternity, there will be a judgment stand. It's either you meet Him one day in joyous reunion or you meet Him in your sins and therefore in judgment. God wants to forgive your sins today. Sin is sin. doesn't matter whether it is small or big. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Today, you have an important choice to make. Choose 
to live in your sins or choose to receive the free gift of God. The word of the Lord to you today is do not resist or reject the kindness of God. And today you can receive the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus through a simple prayer of faith from your heart. If you feel led today, just follow me right now in your hearts in this prayer. Say to the Lord in your heart, Dear God, I want to receive Jesus into my life today. I know Jesus will cleanse me of all my sins. I know Jesus has a plan for my life. Thank you for your love and kindness to me. Wherever you are, if you have said this prayer in your heart, then right now, please scan the QR code on the screen so that we can follow up with you. And I want to say to you, welcome to God's family. Allow me to speak to believers. Today, you also have an important choice. You have made the most important decision to receive Jesus into your life. Now you need to make the second. Make Jesus the cornerstone in your life so that He holds all things together for you so that no matter what happens in your life, you can come to Him, trust Him. Because whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. If this is your desire, just open up your palms right now. Just say to God in your hearts, Lord Jesus, I place you as the cornerstone in my life. I trust in you. Allow me to pray for all of us right now. Oh Lord, thank you for hearing our prayers today. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Oh, Christ alone, cornerstone, weak makes strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. Jesus' blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest rain But wholly trust in Jesus' name My hope is built on nothing I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name, Christ
reflection question this morning there are two but choose one to share with one another at home or with your CG mates first can you recall a time in your life where you resist and reject the kindness of God and how God's grace still prevailed in your life or the other question you could share is in what way do you think we sometimes underestimate and undermine our responsibility to the authority. Would you pause together with me, hands up to the Lord, and allow me to pronounce God's benediction and blessing upon all of us. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvellous light. Therefore, give to God what belongs to God and to the authority what belongs to the authority. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. The Lord bless you. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811 
or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.